Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. All right, so I'm in week two of a series called A Paradigm Shift, and I was I was trying to, trying to figure out, okay, it's anniversary Sunday. How do I do that? What does that look like? Should I preach a certain message? But I'm going to stay with my series because I feel like this is what the Lord has me to talk about in January, is this idea of moving from a believer to a disciple. We discussed last week what it looks like to have a believer mentality versus a disciple mentality. And what the Lord's really just been sharing with me about is we are in a, a paradigm shift uh, in the church, and um, it's, it's, a, it's a time of moving from just believing and, and moving into a discipleship, a disciple mentality. And uh, disciple, being a disciple of Jesus has nothing to do with how long you've been going to church. It has, it has everything to do with how much of your life centers around what Jesus wants you to do with and through your life. And so if you missed last week, go back and look it up. Uh, we described a paradigm shift as this. It's an important change that happens when the usual way of thinking about or doing something is replaced by a new and different way, moving from a believer to a disciple. And so we're, we're, the, the, the paradigm shift is, is one way of thinking and shifting to another way of thinking. The Bible calls this transformation. Romans chapter 12 says, I beseech you therefore by the, uh, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of service. Verse two says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Another translation says, do not be conformed to this culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so there's a paradigm shift and that paradigm shift happens in our thinking. You know, just because you've been to church for a long time doesn't mean you're a disciple. Uh, just because you've, you've uh, you know, maybe your parents were Christians and, and you grew up in the church and, and maybe you think because of that that you're, that you're a disciple. No, you're, you're just, uh, you're trying to inherit somebody else's salvation. You need to have your own personal experience with God and you need to walk that out every single day and that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Here's my definition of a disciple around here. A disciple is a person who turns to follow Jesus and is experiencing fruit-bearing change. In other words, it's not, as we described last week, adding Jesus to our lives. We're just living our lives, doing our thing, and then all of a sudden we hear the gospel, and then we add Jesus to our life, and he just becomes our sidekick. No, Jesus wants us to, when we hear the gospel, he wants there to be a complete turn away from the things of this world and begin to pursue him with everything that is within us, and that is what a disciple looks like. And, and really, you can tell who disciples are based on when pressure and problems hit, where's the first place they run to? Because if you run to everything else before you run to Jesus, you've run it in the wrong way. Now, God puts everything in the earth on purpose. There's things happening in the earth right now. You know, there's doctors, there's, there's anointed doctors, there's counselors. I get all that. I think people need counseling. I think people need doctors. I'm not against any of that. But the first response needs to be Jesus. By your stripes, I've been healed. Praise God. That's, that's the mentality. It needs to be a first response. And what we're looking at is we're looking at some qualities or marks of a disciple. And last week we talked about passionately committed to Jesus was quality number one. So this week, here's quality number two of a disciple, is that we have an extraordinary love 
for people. And I look back when we started the church, one of the prayers we prayed was that this church would look like Christ. And, and Jesus was a manifestation and, and transfigured uh, a picture of what love looks like. And, and before I talk about love today and loving people, do me a favor, scratch everything you've learned. Here's why. It's because you think that hearing another love message is that it's not really applicable to you. Well, I've heard love before. I've, I know what love means and what's love got to do with it. And here's the bottom line, is that love is the central focus of the gospel. Not just a person, but the person's actions. And I really believe that the reason we get watered down in, in thinking of messages and thinking about love is because we've determined that love is a feeling. And, and a lot of times in our life, we've, re we've defined love in the wrong way. A lot of people think love is a feeling. It's an emotion. Well, guess what? It's not. It's a behavior. It's an action word. Love is an action word. It's in, because God commands us to love one another, and we'll look at that. But God's not going to command. You can't command feelings. I command you to be sad, woman. No, she's smiling. See how that didn't work? You, you can't command feelings and emotion. Therefore, love is not an emotion or a feeling, it is a decision. And so a lot of times that's why the gospel tells us over and over again how we're supposed to interact in the earth as a disciple of Jesus is that we, ex we have extraordinary love for people. Now look at everybody in the room. Go ahead, look at everybody. Come on, spin your head around if you can. Look at somebody in the room. Everybody wave to those watching online right now. Come on, just wave, give them a wave, and all right. And so these, I want you guys to know that these people in this room, they're real people. They're real. They're real. Everybody in this room is a real people, is a real person, is a real people, is a real person, is, is a real person. And, and what we have to understand about real people in this room is everybody look at that person again and those people in this room is that those people that are real people are not perfect people. And the people that we deal with every single day in our lives are not perfect people as well because we all walk around with a particular type of brokenness. We've all been born into this thing called sin, everybody in the planet. And so there's nobody perfect. There's nobody that has arrived in this thing called being a disciple. And so we have to understand that people all around us, whether it's in this room or whether it's, whether it's people we see at work or people we see out at the grocery store, that there is this, there is this, we have to understand that people are not perfect. And, and also we have to understand is that we've been called by God to love people. We've been called by God to love all sorts of people. I'm talking about people in this room. I'm talking about the people you live with. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about your spouse. I'm talking about your children. You're commanded to love those people that are in your home. You're commanded to love the lost, the people that are outside the family of God. And whether we realize this or not, dealing with imperfect people, or wherever people are found, you find imperfect people. And so God calls us to love these people, the, the imperfect group of the world, which is everybody, that we've been called to love others. Now listen, here's what we have to understand. Therefore, because God has called us to love people in an extraordinary way, this calling is independent from our wills. What do I mean by that? Our wills is our mind, will, and emotion. Here's what that means. You can't wait on a feeling to love somebody because that's never going to happen. You don't wake up this morning and just have this overwhelming feeling that you should love your spouse. Now, if you do, you've probably been married two days. 
But you know, you don't just wake up and feel love. No, you wake up and make a decision that no matter how crazy that person's going to be, not my wife, she's not crazy. She might say that about me. But anyway, but no matter how crazy and imperfect these people are going to be in my life, I have to make a decision that independent from my will that I must love them. That means everybody. Hear me when I say this, everybody. I believe right now more than ever in our society, the love level of the church is being tested. Because hear me now, we can talk about faith over fear all day long. Well, I'm not going to fear in this season. Well, if you don't walk in love, you're not walking in faith. Here's what I mean by that. Faith works by love is what the scripture says. So if you, you can't walk in faith apart from love, I don't care how much you desire to be over fear. The way you get over fear is perfect love cast out all fear. So when you have an encounter with the real love of God, then all of a sudden now something happens to where it's not, a, it's not a working to in my faith. It's not a trying to get my faith to work. That when I love God and love people, all of a sudden my faith begins to, my faith begins to show up and it begins to move like never before. And so we don't get to choose. Listen to me. We don't get to choose whether or not to love people. God commands us to love people. It's not a choice that we have. It's, it's a command. We will stand accountable for what God asks us to do. It is a command. Let me, let me give you some scriptures. John 13, 34, and 35 says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Now stop and think about that for just a minute. He says, love each other just as I have loved you. Talk about a tall order. Love each other as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another, listen to this, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not my converts, not my churchgoers, not my believers. He said, the world will know by your love for one another that you are my disciples. Those that have made the paradigm shift. 1 John 4, 19 says it this way. We love each other because he first, uh, he loved us first. So we're going to look at this for just a minute because notice the theme here. As you have been loved, love. Therefore, if you understand how God has loved you, it makes perfect sense on how to love other people. If you can look in the mirror and say, God, this is how much you loved me. You've delivered me. You've set me free. You set your love upon me according to Psalms, and you delivered me, and you set me free, and you made me a new person. That I'm an, oh, I'm delivered from anxiety. I'm delivered from oppression. Now, the way you loved me is the way I love others all around me. Think about the impact of the love of God. That's happened in your life. Listen, I really believe in the society that we live in, the church, the song we sing, that God wants to breathe on his church a fresh baptism of his love. Because we have to see things spiritually. We have to see things differently. We can't just look at the natural in the season that we're I got a lot pinned up in here about where we are in this season. And I'm trying to just kind of trickle, 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 trickle. You're going to only eat an elephant one bite at a time. Listen, so I'm trying to just give you a little bit. Listen to John 4, 7 and 8. It says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. When we love one another, we're acting like Jesus. Then he says, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. 
Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say anyone who prays in the Spirit, does spiritual things, does miracles, is a child of God. It doesn't say any of that. It says, it says anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. He says, but anyone who does not love does not know God. So you people that are mean as snakes, not able to walk in the love of God, I question whether you know God. The word know is the word experience. It's not a knowledge and a head knowledge. It's like a, it's like a man and a woman that lay down to, to create, and it's intimacy. It's an experience that happens. That's the word know. It's an experience that takes place. And some of you are so far removed from the experience of what the love of God has done in your life that you're walking around. It's just corpses on the earth hoping that something's going to change, and something's going to, oh, if this just happens, then the earth will be better. Listen to me today. We must understand that the definition of a disciple is somebody that extraordinary loves people, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Not that he has love. He's not passing it out. It's who he is. It's his character. So when you come to him, you're not coming to receive judgment and condemnation. And the people of this earth, when they see the church, for God's sake, are not coming to see judgment and isolation and criticism. No, the love of God, those that know the love of God, it doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you live on. It doesn't matter what your bank account looks like. It doesn't matter who your mama was. It has nothing to do with any of it. It has to do with what was paid for 2,000 years ago on a rugged cross. God is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And listen, and the greatest of these is love. I love Ephesians chapter 3. I'm just giving you a Bible because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 19 says that Christ, this is a prayer that you can pray about yourself and about your relationship with God. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, Jason, put your name in there, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints that is the width and length and depth and height, listen, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I believe the greatest thing that gets in the way of us experiencing and knowing the love of Christ is reasoning. When we reason this thing and we try to intellectually grab God, it doesn't work. You have to grab God with your heart. You have to allow God to grab your heart. We're so filled with reason. That's why we have sin patterns. That's why we're constantly living in iniquity. That's why we constantly have problems walking around the same mountain. It's because we've never experienced truly the love of God because we're trying to reason the love of God in our life. And God says, just come as you are, completely abandoned. Don't try to figure it out. Just trust me. And he's going to baptize you afresh in the love of God. He's going to breathe. Oh, my God, I'm getting excited. This side of the room, I'm getting excited. <laughs> Which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He says, you want to be filled with God? Fill, get filled with his love. Change the lenses by which you're seeing the earth right now. You're, you're seeing lenses, you're seeing the earth through a natural perspective. 
Listen, God's bringing things full circle. He's bringing things back to the book of Acts where he's going to fill his church and the church is going to start to operate in the love of God like never before. We have nothing to fear. God is the God that owns everything. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you're dealing with fear about the future, I rebuke it today in Jesus' name. God has great plans and purposes for you. It doesn't matter. Listen, if he has to send us Manicotti out of the clouds, he'll send us Manicotti. Come on, somebody. Manna burgers, whatever it is, send it. Bring it on, Lord Jesus. Put it in the mailbox. Put it on the stove. He'll provide for us in the middle of the craziest famine, craziest epidemic we've ever experienced in our life. He's going to provide for us. So the question is, what does love require of us? See, then now we're going to a different level. It's not just, oh, I know about this love and that he commanded me to do it, but what's he require of us? The first thing he requires, and I'm going to give you a few things, is a specific mindset. If you're going to walk in the love of God and be a disciple that walks around in extraordinary love for people, it's going to have to be a specific mindset. And here's the mindset. Philippians 2.5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The same mindset as Christ Jesus. It's a different mindset because it's not a natural love. And it's not us, it's, it's not natural for us to love. As, how many know when you try to love, you don't love? It's not natural for us to love. It's a decision that we must make in the earth that we're living in. Jesus, again, Jesus wasn't commanding them to feel something. He, wasn't command, he was commanding them to do something. He wasn't commanding them to feel love. He was commanding them to do something with it that once they experienced it. And Jesus on the earth, he presented a new paradigm for us. He shifted the thinking of everybody. He says, love each other just as I have loved you. This was a very new mindset for the disciples. This was very different from what the world was during that time. So what mindset do we need to say goodbye to? That's the question this morning. What mindset do we need to say goodbye to and transition, transition, transition into a new paradigm of love? Do we need to move from criticism to forgiveness? Do we need to move from judgmentalism to acceptance? Do we need to move from grumbling and complaining to serving? Do we need to stop being so stinking stingy and start being generous? What mindset do we have to deal with in our lives that's going to transition us to be able to walk in extraordinary love for people? Number two, a personal relationships. Personal relationships. Notice what I said, personal. Personal relationships. Not just how many likes you got on Facebook. Not just all your Facebook friends. And people that are personal in your life. Relationships. People that don't know God that are in your life. Galatians 5.14 says this. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. So you can sum the whole Old Testament up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, God didn't call us to isolation. He called us to connection and relationships. Relationships is the bridge by which the love of God works. The, 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 the bridge by which everything happens in our life is through relationships. And I think sometimes we opt out of loving people because it's messy. Loving people is messy and because our definition is wrong, we stop loving. We get critical. 
We get critical of others. I can't even believe that. We get critical. We get critical because we've wrongly defined love as a, as a feeling and also that it's, it's messy. It takes work to love people. It takes work to love people. Jesus gave us an example as he walked on the earth of what it means to love people, being in personal relationship with people. Listen, I believe the New Testament, the New Testament imperatives all about the New Testament are examples of how to demonstrate your love for God by loving people. Your, the demonstration in the New Testament of how you love God has everything to do with how you treat your neighbor, how you love your neighbor. Don't tell me how spiritual you are. Don't tell me how many times a day you pray if you're constantly negative on Facebook. Don't tell me how often you spend with God, but you don't know how to love the person that lives across the street from you. Come on, somebody. This is where we are. Or the cubicle. Or, or the, the grocery worker. Listen, we're going through craziness. Stop being so mean. People are going to have attitudes with you. Your server is not going to get your meal perfectly in time like you want, you want it. The chef may not bring it out 100% hot like you want it. Listen, stop your demanding ways. Be nice to people. Tip good. Come on. Well, their service wasn't that great. Listen, if we judged you on how well we tipped you, come on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to tip you, but... Based on your attitude, you wouldn't get much money. 50 cent, that's it. 1 John 4.20 says this, If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. Listen to that. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God who he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Boy, the message brings it out. Number three is this, high standard. What does God require of us? It is a high standard to love people. And there's two ways this standard looks. It's consistently and it's unconditionally. The standard by which God loves us and wants to love through us is consistently and, uncon and unconditionally. Listen, I was reading, as I was reading through the Gospels again, and how God and how Jesus loved people. What I want you to understand, he didn't love them based on the cross. You're like, what do you mean by that? L let, me, let me say it this way. When Jesus uh, loved the men and the disciples that he walked with, when Jesus talked to them about love, their mind didn't go to the cross because that hadn't happened yet. What their mind went to was how he loved them and how he loved others around them. It wasn't them being able to say, oh, we look back at the cross and that's how much he loved us. No, 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 no. They were in present day reality. And therefore, when the, the three years that Jesus had with these guys that he loved them. I think about it. He saw, he, they saw him love the woman caught in the act of adultery. He wrote down in the sand and, and the, 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 rich, the rich rulers and the, and, the, and, the, and the Pharisees were there and saying, stone this woman. He wrote some junk in the sand. I think he wrote their junk in the sand. And anyway, so he was writing in the sand and he said, he that is without sin, throw the first stone. And they were like, we out. Everybody's sinners here. 
In other words, that he watched them love the unlovable. Blind Bartimaeus, he was a blind man. He was a beggar. He's sitting on the, on the side of the road, and the, the, the sand and the dirt of, of the Jerusalem day as people in the crowd started coming through, Blind Bart had heard about Jesus, the Bible said. I call him Blind Bart. His name's Bartimaeus. But Blind Bart, he, he, he heard of Jesus, and all of a sudden, he heard the crowds that Jesus was coming to town, and all of a sudden, he began to scream out, Son of David, have mercy on me! Disciples were like, shh. Shut it down. Jesus is busy. Shut it down. Look how ignorant these boys were. It's quiet. And he's like, no, son of David, have mercy on me. And hey, 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 man, quiet. He didn't let that stop him. He said, hey, hey, son of God, have mercy on me. And Jesus, the Bible says, he turned in the midst of the crowd. And he walked over to blind Bartimaeus and he said, what should you want me to do for you? He heard the voice of faith. And all of a sudden, these boys saw the activation of the love of God like they'd never seen before. And all of a sudden, he says, what do you want me? I want to be able to see. Bam, Jesus healed the blind man. The Bible says he threw his beggar's garment down. And Jesus set him free in that moment. These boys saw the manifestation of what love looked like. They saw the standard of consistency and unconditional love. It wasn't that he loved Bart differently than he, Bartimaeus, differently than he loved the woman caught in the act of adultery. We do that. We do that. We love people based on performance. No, God says it's not based on performance. It's unconditional, and it's consistently that we must love. Think about Peter's denial. I mean, Peter was the guy that walked with him. He denied him three times. Bible says Jesus came to him after he resurrected. Peter's like, I'm going fishing. He denied him three times in front of the youth group. And then he went out and he went fishing. He said, I'm going back to normal. And Jesus was like, no, my love is so compelling for you, Peter. I can't have you go back to normal. There's a plan for you. You can't go back to normal. You're going to be a world changer, Peter. Don't you know that? There's something in you. You've experienced my love. And here he comes. Jesus come walking on the shore after resurrection. Peter there with his fish, eating his fish around the fire, and Jesus comes to him and says, do you love me? Then do this. Do you love me? Then do this. Do you love me? Then do this. He, he, he ignited a call. It was the love of God in him, restoring him into what he would to be. Uh, one day he would be the, the preacher of Pentecost. He would be the guy that would say, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. I'll be flipped upside down. Why, how could he end up being such a world changer? It was because the love of God never stopped going after him. It was unconditional and it was consistent and it changed Peter's life. I believe the world needs to see a consistent and unconditional love of God in the earth that we're living in. Stop picking and choosing who we're loving. It's time for us to come and begin to love the people all around us consistently and unconditionally. Listen, the cross was the evidence of what Jesus demonstrated while walking with them that sealed the reality of how much he loved them and others. In other words, he made this consistent confession and he, he walked with them and he loved them consistently and unconditionally. And the cross was the icing on the cake. This is the reality. This is the manifestation of what I just taught you boys three years ago, that I washed your feet and I lay my life down for you. It was consistent. It wasn't just him doing something. It wasn't just him showing them. It was a lifestyle that he lived that brought impact to the earth. Therefore, through them, he could bring impact into the planet. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. This behavior 
encompasses all other behavior. And number four in closing is if what God requires of us to walk in extraordinary love for people is an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective. Do you realize, if you're watching online, if you're in the room today, everyone spends eternity somewhere. Everyone spends eternity somewhere. And when you start to grasp the hold of an eternal perspective, man, your love no longer becomes conditional and inconsistent. It becomes consistent and it becomes unconditional. That when we understand that the Lord, if we're going to walk in extraordinary love for people, that we must understand that there is an eternal perspective here. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says this, for Christ's love compels us. How does it compel us? we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again listen to that passage he says it's the love of Christ that compels us why because there is eternity for everybody Jesus' teaching about love is less complicated and more demanding. Eternal perspective that he died for all. Can you love your enemies like he told, he told you to? Can you love the least like he told you to? Can you love the lost like he told you to? Do you need a program to love somebody? Do you need an outreach in your life to love somebody? Or can you realize how much God has loved you and a disciple knows how to love 24-7, unconditionally and consistently? We learn that every, every hour, every day of our life is spent loving people that are broken, that are hurting. Remember the people you looked at? Remember the people that we waved to? You might be sitting by somebody right now that's completely shattered on the inside. But we just come in, we get our worship on, and then we walk away and we go into this earth and we just live our life and we add Jesus to it. And hey, I went to church Sunday. It was a great message. Pass the potato salad. Amen. Thank you for Sundays. I love the Cracker Barrel, whatever. But that's the way we live. I'm telling you this prophetically. What is going to come to the planet is going to require more than the way you've lived for God. If you've never got your knees carpet burned from prayer, you better figure out how to get there. 
you better figure out how, how that when you spend time with him, that he impacts love. And all of a sudden, that love begins to move through you to touch other people, that there's people that are lost, there are people that are least, there are people that are out there, and God needs this church to be baptized afresh in the love of God. I'll close with this statement. Our devotion to God as a disciple is illustrated, demonstrated, and authenticated by our extraordinary love for others. It is our devotion to God as a disciple is illustrated, demonstrated, and authenticated by our extraordinary love for others. Close your eyes this morning, in this moment. I believe nine years ago as we started this thing that this this message right here was a message that burned within our hearts that no matter what anybody looked like, no matter what where people came from, no matter the sin, no matter the issue, that we were gonna love consistently and we were gonna love unconditionally. Because we had been, uh, we, God had so impacted us with his love as we sit down and we think about just how much he loves us, that we should love each other the same way. I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm somewhat prodding you in this season to examine yourself. Examine yourself during these times of prayer and fasting or, or just in general, just begin to examine yourself. Where are you with love? Where are you as a disciple with love? I want to encourage you today, if you've never experienced the love of God, if you're watching online today and you've never experienced the love of God before, or maybe you have and you've walked away from God, or maybe you're a believer and not a disciple and you've not made that shift out of being a believer into a disciple, that one of the characteristics of a disciple is that we extraordinary love, we have an extraordinary love for people. Maybe you've conditioned your love. I wanna encourage you today that God doesn't condition his love towards us. Therefore, we shouldn't condition his love through us. God does not condition his love to us. Therefore, we should not condition our love through us. It's unconditional. So if you're in here today, if you're in person, you're watching online, maybe today you say, today I need to come home. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Maybe I've walked away from God and I don't have a relationship with him. Or maybe today you've just come to church. You're like, man, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just come celebrate nine years. Or maybe you're a guest today. And today you want to be impacted by the love of God. Or maybe you're watching online. You want to be impacted by the love of God. If you're, if you're in this place today, I'm not going to call you forward, but I do want to know who I'm praying with today. Do you say that I need the love of God like never before? I need to move out of conditional and, and, and unconsistent love in my life, and I need a fresh baptism of the love of God. If that's you, we raise up your hand today. This isn't necessarily a, a, a salvation issue as much as it is a, a baptism of love issue when it comes to loving others. Just, I wanna pray for you. I wanna know who I'm praying for this morning. I saw those few hands that raised. If you're watching online, if you're church online, go ahead and click that raise your hand button. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and just throw uh, the hand emoji up to let us know who we're praying for this morning. 
just let us know because we want to agree with you and believe that this next season God is going to baptize you in love so much so that he's going to, he's going to, he's going to baptize you and it's going to flow through you like never before. Remember, our devotion to God as a disciple is illustrated, demonstrated, and authenticated by our extraordinary love for others. So let's pray this morning. I want, I want all of you to pray with me today. Let's all pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love towards us by sending your son Jesus to the earth. And thank you for the way you've loved me, the way you've delivered me, the way you've set me free. Today, Lord, I need a refresher. I need fresh baptism of your love. Submerse me in your love. Today, I'm asking for my heart to change, to be revived, to be set on fire with your love. That wherever I go, I will know and others will know that I'm your disciple because of the love of God that flows through me. So today, thank you for baptizing me afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap right there. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.